0: Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I'm a very tired and oftentimes overwhelmed autism warrior mom who has navigated the ups and downs of this puzzling disorder for 16 years and counting. My hope when creating this podcast was that it would serve as a vessel for connecting families with special needs children so we may share experiences and resources. But even more importantly, I want to create a community of support for one another through the tough times, which we know there can be many, and to celebrate the achievement of milestones, big and small, of our amazing kids. So thanks again for joining me on this journey and for tuning in for this episode of Living the Sky Life. Today's guest is Dr. Tara Reagan, who is the executive director and founder of Autism Grown Up, an online nonprofit organization based in North Carolina. She's a sibling to two autistic adult brothers Tyler and Tanner, and has been working in the autism community for over a decade. Dr. Reagan has a background in direct care practice, social work, and special education. She integrates all she's learned across disciplines into writing and speaking about adulthood, the lifespan, and collaborations within the autism community. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Tara Reagan. Today's guest on Living the Life is Tara Reagan. She is the founder of the nonprofit group, Autism Grown Up. She has a podcast, a website, all kinds of things uh, going on. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Tara. Thanks, Lori. It's so great to be here. Yeah, it's great to connect with you. Um, you know, first and foremost, I, I, I've listened to your podcast and um, okay. I'm a follower on your Instagram page. And I, but I hadn't checked out the website, so I went and looked and the very first sentence totally hit home with me um, mm-hmm. about your mission of starting the nonprofit group Autism Grown Up. Um, and to quote that, you, know, you said that the mission is to address topics surrounding preparing for and navigating adulthood, which is mm-hmm. something that keeps me up at night, um, worrying about my son Skylar, who's 17, and just kind of where things look for his future. Um, so I guess let's kind of go back to the beginning and you know how you came to the decision to start Autism Grown Up, the organization, and what it's all about. Sure, I'm
1: happy to, because um, I definitely came from a similar place of like, what are we gonna do next? Um, I'm a sister of two brothers on the spectrum uh, who are now adults. Uh, Tyler is 28 and Tanner is 20 and uh i was also reaching this point where i um so my background is also in autism i have a master's in social work did some work at a farm with like um equine assisted therapy and autism and Uh, My Ph.D. was in special education and high school students on the autism spectrum. And so I was like naturally in that zone with my brothers and then also thinking about this work all the time. And I reached the point with my Ph.D. when I was wrapping it up at dissertation level where I was trying to figure out what were my next steps. And I saw similarly to what my brothers were experiencing in terms of a lack of opportunities in adulthood. We were on the Medicaid IDB waiver waitlist for almost 10 years at that point, and luckily we did get off of that waitlist and they got services, but they were still relatively limited to what really, their needs are. I saw similarities in lack of opportunities and jobs for me um, because I really wanted to stay focused on the transition to adulthood. And actually, I haven't really talked about this piece of it, of like a lot of jobs in autism still are f- primarily focused on early childhood, maybe some elementary school years in there too, so realized I probably will have to start my own thing, which is what a lot of parents do, a lot of other caregivers have done as well, just along the way in autism anyway, and I'm starting to see more of this in adulthood in general, so that's really where Autism Grown Up came from, like us navigating it as a family, and I was realizing as I was talking with parents during my PhD, um, they were also trying to figure things out, but didn't see a lot of resources out there. So that's really where it came from. Like I wanted to use Autism Grown Up to be a resource center and to share my family's experiences as well as others experiences to uh, further create resources and give um, kind of more of a network and support when it comes to growing up and navigating adulthood.
0: I love that um, it's a family-run organization um, that <laughs> yeah. your parents are both, I guess, on the board, right? You're the yeah, CEO are. and <laughs> they each have a major role in it too. Um, are the services, I, I, when I was looking at the website, mm-hmm. um, there was a section in there I know that you can schedule kind of a one-on-one, I guess, with someone yes. to talk yes. about job prospects and, you know, just kind of what your strengths are and um, what your passions are. Is that is all of it kind of focused on the North Carolina area where you are, or is it a nationwide uh, you know setup, I guess?
1: Yeah, so it's a nationwide, almost international uh, for some aspects of what we do provide because we have an online community, and a lot of our resources are things generalized that we've seen. I've seen a lot of people even from the UK and Singapore gain access to. So for those things that aren't like US specific, like the Medicaid waiver and linking specifically to resources, because that's what I know pretty well. um, It's pretty much utilized all over the world, which is really, really cool. That is so phenomenal. And how long has it been in existence? Did you say? I'm sorry if I missed it. Oh, I don't, I don't think I did. Uh, So when did I finish? So I wrapped up my PhD in 2018. So I would say that's probably right around when Autism Grown Up was created. And then we did a nonprofit status last year. So it's really new.
0: Yeah, but it's really taking off apparently. So (laughs) what is the process? So um, I I would imagine, is it for more um, higher functioning individuals on the spectrum or what types of? services is it mainly just job placements and connections in that way or is it you know um, for You know day programs or something for those that are lower functioning to have something to occupy their time Once they're 22 and older when the most programs end for them
1: Right. Yeah, so that's a really great question Um, what we do is kind of we do provide information for everyone all over the spectrum But we do see kind of, you listed a good bit of what we do. We do a lot within our resource center. That's kind of like our main umbrella. So Mm -hmm. the resources kind of, uh, they focus on life skills, primarily in self-advocacy, and then how to build your support network around you. Because we found that those are like the main areas, uh, focusing on those skills, support networks and services are really areas that hit everyone all over the spectrum, no matter Mm -hmm. their support needs. So we uh, link people to resources and then also share out uh, what we have learned along the way through our podcasts. Um, we do some, a community spotlight series on our blog. And then we have the online community, uh, which we do see mostly self-advocates who, need, who have lesser su- less support needs, but we do see a lot of parents, we tend to see a lot of parents who have children with higher support needs. So they're asking about day programming, which I know a lot about. Um, That's really the area that my brothers kind of fall on the spectrum. Um, And so as in essence, we do
0: serve everyone all over the spectrum
1: with places to
0: individualize as needed. That's wonderful to hear, because I mean, I'm sure as you know, and I think as you mentioned, that. The amount of resources for parents to go to to look up things like this are very very sparse. We needed yes. something that kind of compiled everything together on a nationwide basis, like Autism Grown Up that you came up with. So, I mean, huge kudos to you for that. I Thank think you. Um, you know one of the one of the places I find myself right now with Skylar being seventeen and he is very low functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, most of what people are talking about are IEPs you know, at this age talking about, you know, volunteering or getting into the workforce and that's just not, that's not our avenue. Um, so, and you know, it scares me to think what I'm going to do with him all day long, Mm -hmm. but you know, the caveat to that too, is I've heard of so many programs that are thrown together and, um, they're not really trained properly on, caring for someone that's low functioning on the spectrum, a yeah. meltdown or anything like that. And so there can be some really high stress situations for both the caregivers and the um, the, the child, young adult, I guess mm-hmm. I should say. So um, what types of programs have you seen that are successful or that are out there for lower functioning adults?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a really tough one, and that hits home for me as well, because both of my brothers are in probably the same right around range as Skylar. Like, they were both in a self-contained setting while they were in school and special education, and they will always need supervision for, like, the rest of their lives. Um, So something I have seen, like, what ends up happening is a lot of people do typically rely on their local uh, service providers, whether that is through the Medicaid IDD waiver or another autism waiver that's available to them. Um, and through that, we've been really, uh, really lucky to find a day program that has been a good fit for both my brothers. Um, that's often what I do recommend because that's what's primarily available. Of course, I would like to th- see things shift more so. Like mm-hmm. I was talking to um, Kim, uh, I forgot her, Kim albrecht Taylor I think is her full name, uh, from the Loma podcast. Um, I'm not sure if you've been in touch with her, but she's amazing. She also has a podcast focused on transition to adulthood because she has a teen daughter on the spectrum. And something she posited to me, and I was like, this would be amazing to have. And I think that would be something we would be interested in supporting in the future in whatever, whatever way possible is, uh, Day programming that is individualized to the person that has the goal of getting them out in the community as much as possible to whatever <laughs> they're comfortable with um, and linked to uh, either volu- like volunteering services or options, um, ways to connect with peers, uh, and just getting them out of the house is yeah. really the thing that would be the goal here. Um, that's something I would love to see my brothers
0: participate in in the future. Absolutely. I mean, we don't want them isolated. Um, but I also don't want to demean his his age and his abilities by just kind of placing him with a respite worker that feels like he's just kind of being, you know, babysat all day mm-hmm. when he's, you know, 25 years old. I, I just, I don't want that either. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm just, I'm I'm very open to all of the ideas and all of the, the programs that are already out there and what people are doing. And you know, and we need to build some some more from the ground up.
1: Definitely. I think that's the way to go. And then there are some Medicaid service definitions that could be really tweaked and maybe supported through other funding mechanisms, whether that is through grants or other organizations. Um, because something I added, cause I do respite with both of my brothers now, I'm like their main staff person right now, especially okay. with their day program closed. Uh, so I run down, I'm about a couple, I'm two hours away from my brothers. So I head down every week and I do respite hours with them. But I also found that I was like, I'm running goals essentially with them. Um, I'm running, I made my own person center plan. So let's see what services are actually things that we could align with because Each state has like a whole guide of Medicaid service definitions, but they're not utilizing all of them. So that's like a hidden gem there that I think would be really interesting to take advantage of. So, something I found out about was a community living uh, supports service or CLS. You know, adult service system loves to have their own jargon too. Um, But I found that and it actually lets. Us create a person-centered plan with goals that I work that we're all working towards with my brothers. That is individualized. It, they are learning still; they're still engaging with their environments, and it gives them the space to try out and learn independent living too.
0: So awesome! <laughs> they are so lucky to have you. <laughs> I'm so lucky to have them do it's you uh, do you guys um also focus in on um the individual states with like social security or not maybe state run because that's I know that's more government run as a whole but like okay. how families need to approach social security they at a certain age and and just kind of tips and tricks for when to start navigating that whole part of adulthood yeah we do
1: have that we um I think I may have a couple of blog posts on, our, on it right now. Um, so a lot of the, most of the things I've been talking about is like are all about, all a part of our free resource center. So I do have some individualized paid programming, which includes one-on-one supports with families. And oftentimes that does involve getting them set up with SSI or more familiar with how it runs within their state Um, because there's always hoops to jump through. There's always evals to keep up with and lots of talks about how to keep and maintain documentation, because it really does fall on you to follow up with them.
0: Yeah, it'd be great to have kind of step-by-step guide or just, you know, hints to, like, make sure nothing falls through the cracks that you forget. It's the same thing with, um, you know, once they turn 18 and having to do guardianships and power of attorneys and things like that. Um, I mean, nobody really guides you through that. You just kind of have to wing it. And I just would hate for someone to miss the the opportunity and, and the door closes on something like that because you missed the age range or didn't have all the right paperwork. And it just takes forever for that stuff to get through. So to have to wait longer would be a shame.
1: It does. And yeah, it's like what you said, no one's there to walk you through it and to keep you in the know of what to watch out for.
0: They almost make it harder. I feel like, you know, (laughs) I mean, and you know, I learned, gosh, when Skylar was young, I learned all about setting up a trust for him, a special needs trust and making sure that he did not inherit any money from anyone into a checking account or all of those things Mm -hmm. um, just for later, just so that someone doesn't take advantage of him and, and, you know, take all of his money or yeah, and, uh, primarily because he can't have any income and then still get social security. He would make right. too much money. It's it's just, it's crazy. All of the hoops you have to jump through. So, um, Definitely. they make it very hard <laughs> to get any services. <laughs> they um, do.
1: Yeah. And the <laughs> other hard part about it too, is like, there are so many wonderful people who have big hearts that work in this field, but there's such a huge
0: turnover that makes it really difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that, I mean they burn out like anyone else. It's a they really will. tough job. I'm burned out as a mom, but I can't really quit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Take Some days I wish I could walk away,
0: but I can't. <laughs> um, well, backing up a little bit, I mean. Um, You know, you, I've read some things and I, and I've heard some of your conversations about just your family and obviously you're, you're very close to your, your siblings and your parents, um, as a child growing up with two brothers, that sounds like, you know, similar to our situation that are more on the severe end. Mm -hmm. What was that like? I assume they're obviously both older brothers and then you have another sibling too, correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 So she's in the middle. Um, We're all T
1: names of four kids. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I'm the oldest. And then it's Tyler. And then there's a few years in between. And then there's Tasha and Tanner. So we're kind of in pairs. um, And that's a really interesting dynamic (laughs) of itself, of uh, classic sibling relationships, too. Like, I'm sure you've, you've seen this, too. And I always like to share that. Like, that's a reality, too. That's like the normalcy part of it. Um, that doesn't change, is that there is certainly sibling dynamics that come into play. Um, and I think I, as the oldest, have definitely fallen more so in a caregiver role. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, just from a younger age. And I think that's just actually how both the oldest two kids really are, because Tyler, interestingly enough, is in, he thinks of himself as a caregiver, too, and it's always very sweet. <laughs> He's always trying to take care of his youngest two siblings as well. Um, yeah, it's just, he, we call him sometimes very lovingly the warden, because <laughs> he <laughs> keeps tabs on my youngest brother very
0: well. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Is Tasha involved in um in autism or in the in the special needs world at all as well?
1: Yeah, she actually has gotten more so involved maybe in the past couple of years or so. Um, she always just generally wanted to find like her own way into things. Um, she ended up working at the same camp I worked at when I first started in autism when I was in college. There's a camp in, here in North Carolina called Camp Royal. It's like one of the first camps focused on autism across the age, across uh support needs. And it's such a great camp. Um, and so she started working there for a little bit here and there. And then she uh, decided to go into physical therapy. She's graduating from college this year and has some idea of thinking about, uh, so it's definitely, she's more so interested in exercise and sports science, but like a little bit of autism has trickled its way in over time. So that's been really cool to see.
0: Well, being that you were the oldest, and I'm sure, you know, very motherly to all of your (laughs) younger siblings, um, have you always known that your passion really was around this, you know, special needs industry, I guess, I hate to say industry, but just all of the (laughs) development of, you know, children, and and just, there's so much we don't know. So what what drove you to kind of keep this life? I imagine growing up with it is, you know, some kids just don't want anything to do with it. They just right. want to move on, do their own thing and have really not talk about autism as much anymore in their own private life. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, you're all in. <laughs> so <laughs> what made you kind of get, stick with it and go that route?
1: Yeah, I'm certainly all in. That's for sure. That's a good way to describe it. Um, and my sister, I feel like she's the opposite side where she's just like wanted to figure it out. And then she kind of got um grew into it I guess or started in her own path with it um but I always had been involved with my brothers like since a very young age um even just with not just with caregiving at home but also sometimes at school like I have distinct memories of being in third grade and my brother Tyler's classroom was across the hallway um and sometimes his classmates would like make an escape and come visit our classroom (laughs) because they were just very (laughs) comfortable with it and which was really cool um that was like an early inclusion movement on its own um and so I just remember spending a lot of time even since then in special education settings whether that was informally through being a student in the same school um and kind of being the one to go to whenever there was anything kind of a if Tyler had a meltdown or anything went Um, wrong, then they would come grab me from what I was doing in school. Um, And then even with Tanner, as he got older too, uh, I ended up volunteering more so in those settings. So I think I definitely had, I was, had a, a lean towards just figuring out what does the autism field look like? I feel like I've seen it grow over the past 20 or so years. Um, For the longest time, I just thought it was special education and Mm -hmm. related services. And I feel like, yeah, like, as you said, it is somewhat of an industry now. There are so many people involved in autism. And I feel like I have hopped around to check out what is this field about? What do they do in autism? And kind of find my own way. I think I have my master's is in social work. I ended up going that route for a little bit and then uh, with the, my PhD in special education I spent a lot of time in a lot of interdisciplinary zones and community work and then now the nonprofit. Um, I feel like I've just been trying to figure out what are the pieces I want to pull from all these other fields and put them together.
0: Well you're definitely doing that. Um, <laughs> you know it's, it's crazy because there didn't used to be really any resources. We didn't have much when, um, you know, your brothers and my son were diagnosed. And now there's a lot of resources. I mean, that's the good thing with podcasts and blogs and websites and even just new therapy ideas and all of that. But with that also comes a little bit more chaos, I feel like, because people are confused now of which way to go. And, you know, everyone says, well, you, you have to do the diet and you have to do this and you have to do that. And I feel like as a mom, if you don't try everything and you're pulled in so many different directions that you don't really know what's worth doing and not doing and spending the money on. And, and I think people are still in the mindset that there is a way to cure autism. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I shudder when I, when people say that, their kids have been recovered from it i i just it's hard so i think the the goal of my podcast and i know a lot of others and and your clearly your mission too is to try to educate people that although they're adults at this point they didn't grow out of autism they still need things they still need our daily support they still need in some respects, um, you know, a lot of handholdings because there's a lot of things that they can't independently do. So we, you know, we need so many more resources, um, to be filtered through. And, um, that's just another reason that I'm just so grateful for your, for your website and your nonprofit group, because you guys are doing that. You're filtering through a lot of the things that are, kind of nonsense and, you know, bringing us <laughs> things that we can actually use and that are helpful to a lot of families. Well, thanks, so, Ari. you know, I appreciate you navigating that road for us. Um, you know, I want to talk just a little bit more to about your parents. Um, and because our stories are so similar um, with the the level of functioning and independence of um, their sons and mine, what, what did you take away from your parents, you know, um, initiative and, and their temperament and just everything that they, was involved in your lives growing up when caring for your brothers. I mean, I'm sure it took a ton of their time and attention and having other children that were neurotypical. I'm sure they were pulled in multiple directions. Yeah. So, I mean, thinking back on that now as an adult, what are some of the think the pearls that you took away from the way your parents raised all of you guys? Um, definitely that
1: my parents and you are
0: amazing,
1: <laughs> <laughs> honestly. Uh, yeah, so my, both of my parents were in the Air Force, that's actually how they met, um, and that's where we were, we were stationed on an Air Force base during both of my brother's diagnoses. I feel like also you'll get this too, like, getting a diagnosis of autism in the 90s or early 2000s is so different, and, like, having to navigate those resources is so different today. Um, So we were actually in North Dakota for both of those diagnoses, and then moved down here to North Carolina, Um, and we were pretty much on our own, like, even just isolated within the state of North Dakota, Mm -hmm. and then coming down here to North Carolina, they were pretty great at i uh, kind of running our family like a, an air force base i guess is what the metaphor i'm going to go with here um, cuz they're both just very disciplined and very independent they're very uh, resourceful too of like if something is happening it's figure outable and they did an amazing job just of like staying calm through really tough situations. I I think they're both really good at that, especially my mom, um, because very young, when everyone was really young, my dad went away on a couple um, remote trips for it in the Air Force, they call them TDYs, I don't remember what it stands for, Um, for a few months at a time, when everyone, when my youngest siblings were like almost one or two years old. So my mom had all four of us kids (laughs) and ran in a daycare. I don't know how she did it. And I think she doesn't remember either. She was like, I repressed that. (laughs) 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 Uh, But she's just, I mean, I I don't know. She's just so great at navigating that time period that um, I think it really lends well to how guess how uh, independent we all have become. I don't think we, we didn't have resources or services like related service providers. We didn't have any of those all the way up until my brothers graduated from high school. So they did a lot of it on their own. Um, And what I learned from that too, was that we didn't have to always do that on our own. And a lot of, we probably would have benefited from some additional support networks. So that's something I, I keep in the back of my mind when I'm working with families of like and adults on the spectrum too of like what are some things like who are some people we can pull in as allies and to build into your inner circle
0: mm-hmm. yeah, especially when you don't have family we don't have any family here from my side. everybody's okay. in Michigan, and um you know my husband's family is. It's close, but I mean, he he has some family in Florida. I mean, everyone's kind of around, but not directly where we are. So we just don't have, you know, the the quick makeshift, you know, babysitter for half hours, we can go somewhere. And with respite turnover, it's, it's really hard to get any time away. I can't imagine I could complain much about that with four children though. And (laughs) being by herself for, you know, several months while your dad was away, um, Gosh, what a, what a great role model she is, clearly, she is. who have raised four amazing kids with her sanity still intact. <laughs> I know, or for the most part.
1: <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I think that lends well to us. Like, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this extensively, just like how close we all are as a family. Um, and it has probably helped my mom a lot to have other neurotypical children in her family that... Um, She has raised to be, like, very, she, like, our number one role in our family is to be compassionate and to think about other people um, and to practice empathy. So that really has been key for just, like, all of us to stick together and be able to work through a lot of things that have come up, come our way.
0: Along those lines, have you guys discussed, you know, the future? And nobody likes to, um, (laughs) but... Are there plans in place for, you know, who will be the caregivers for your brother, um, for your brothers when um, your parents are no longer able to do that?
1: Yeah. So we uh, have those conversations fairly often. Um, they always tend to come up like around the holidays too, for yes. some reason. Isn't
0: that weird? It does do. It, it does happen that
1: way. <laughs> My dad's <laughs> always like, sorry, but not sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So. They, both of my parents have been very clear from the get-go, probably as early, I don't know, when they felt like we could be having these conversations, that, like, they do not expect me or my sister to be responsible for, like, taking them into our homes and Mm -hmm. changing our whole lives to be around to be their main caregiver. They want us to be able to have supports in place, um whether that is through a seeking out a group home, they're also putting money aside financially. So my brothers will be covered. Um, They haven't looked into trust or ABLE accounts, but that's something I'm trying to push them towards. So I think that would be really helpful too. Um, But ultimately, like you could just probably tell that I have a little bit of hesitance there. Um, I would like more group homes to be more supportive of, adults on the spectrum. Um, So that would be something I would be very
0: involved with in terms of that decision making there. Yeah I mean and that's a conversation I've had with my daughter. She's two years younger so she'll be actually be 15 um, in a week and um, you know I've made it clear to her from when she was old enough to understand um, his disability that uh, you know there has never been an expectation that she would move him in with her. Um, you know, even though as a kid, you know, she always wanted to be a farmer. I, don't, <laughs> I was like, what well, she wanted to be, well, she wants to be a vet even still now, which is awesome. But she was going to have a farm on the side. And she said, you know, he can live okay. with me and feed the pigs and the cows. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I never anticipated, you know, her, I'm sure she'll have a family of her own. And I, I wouldn't want her to feel obligated to move him in and, you know, yeah. with her children and, you know, her brother living there and all of that, it's just disruptive perhaps to her life, but it's scary because, you know, like you said, I, I don't know of any group homes that I would feel comfortable having my son in. I, no one's going to love him and care for him. Like I do. I mean, that sure. there's just no that's question, the truth. right? but I just, it, it gives me anxiety. And again, it keeps me up at night trying to think of the plans and how far in advance can you plan?
1: I know. Yeah. That's, that's a tough question too. How far in advance can you plan and um, how, what can you do about it today if it's on your mind? Um, and I think that's going to be like, maybe I see autism grown ups starting to look at those questions
0: coming down the line too. Well, I think that's where your um, organization becomes such a, an incredible resource because I think if we can plan now and even get our young adults into some day programming and, uh, and other, um, scenarios that maybe they'll, will meet someone or connect with someone in that way, then the the future just kind of divinely, you know, intervenes and plans itself. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, any connection we can make at this, at this point, utilizing your service, um, and your organization is, is a blessing. I, I feel like, I think that maybe we don't have all the answers and we're probably not supposed to, for twenty years down the road, and what it looks like. Sure. So, you know, yeah. I just, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. No. I. I that's all. I was just gonna, you know, direct everybody. I will definitely link up your, um, all the ways to connect with you. <laughs> there are several. <laughs> yes,
1: many, <laughs> many ways.
0: The, the Autism Grown Up podcast is is phenomenal. For anyone who hasn't oh, downloaded and listened to that, um, the blog, the website and all your social media handles um, I will link all that up so people oh, can connect you. with you. And yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm anxious to kind of get us registered in your, in your system and trying to figure out what next steps can be for us um, in our area. So yeah, I look forward to it for sure. Yes. Um,
1: and ever since starting this too, I've realized that like, I, I definitely am so grateful that there are so many people like you and others. I have found on our podcast, there were even people I just found like the, the week before. And I was like, I need to talk to you. Like um, uh, we had someone from the autism housing network, which was a site I had no idea existed.
0: I've never uh, heard of that. Yeah. It's
1: amazing. Um, I would highly recommend it. I can send that to you too for the show notes, if that's something you're interested in looking into, but they have a list of housing communities for adults on the spectrum. And they work with people to create models, to consider to build into their communities and to
0: sustain into adulthood for others too. It's really I'm amazing. So glad to know what's out there. I, I mean, I, I, we need more, so much more of this. <laughs> I know there are parents out there with older children that um, have to, had to do all of this navigation on their own and develop all this stuff on their own. And I just want them to come to light and, and be loud and, and share it with the rest of us. I mean, my goal is to, uncover more things and pave the way for all of those families with 3 year olds and 4 year olds that are just kind of getting started in this journey mm-hmm.
1: so that they don't
0: have to reinvent the wheel that we've already done it for them yes
1: yeah that would be such a wonderful resource for them because you as you know like you're thinking you start thinking ahead sometimes from there like what will adulthood look like cuz in your mind things really shift once you get the diagnosis so mm-hmm. It helps to have people like you and Skylar and many other people sharing their story. Your family. <laughs> yes, that's
0: <us> true. <too. laughs> I'd love to meet your mom. I have oh a million questions for her. <laughs> 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 Not to mention my nephews in the Air Force Academy. So we could talk um, yes. about that too. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, I was born there, so was Tyler. Yep. It's a crazy connected world. We're not as far apart as we probably feel like we are. So Right. Yes. So true. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Tara. I really appreciated connecting with you. And, um, like I said, I'll link everything up so others can reach out to you as well. Awesome. It was so awesome to be on this podcast and chat with you today. Well, thanks again. Take care and have a great rest of your day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. you enjoyed this episode of living the sky life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon if you haven't already please subscribe to the living the sky life podcast within apple podcast spotify and google play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode if you like what you hear be sure to select the five-star rating provide feedback and share living the sky life with others thanks again for listening